Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie, it's you, Jamie. Don't be alarmed, but I think there's a guy following you. Maybe we should get that guard dog we talked about? Nothing too scary, maybe like a Bichon with an attitude? You know, Progressive's collision insurance covers injured dogs and cats at no extra cost, so... Wait, the guy stood up when I stood up. He's on the phone. He's looking right at me. Oh, wait, it's just my reflection. Don't tell anyone about this. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet coverage not available in New Hampshire and North Carolina. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Bucks, presented by BrewHoop.com. I'm Eric Name, and as always, Frank Madden will be alongside me for this podcast. Uh, hopefully you have subscribed. Hopefully you're giving us reviews on iTunes. Hopefully you're following along with us on Twitter. Um, but let's get back into it. Obviously, yesterday we played the first part of our conversation where we talked about some of the good things that occurred in the preseason, some of the things that made us hopeful for the upcoming season, and... Since there was good in the first one, that means this is about the bad. This is about the stuff in the preseason that we were a little bit worried about. And we'll dive deep on all this stuff, and hopefully you'll enjoy the rest of our conversation. In terms of other bad, you know, I think Thon Maker's preseason was was in general kind of a, a downer. Uh, and, and it started off on a, on a down note because of the injury he suffered, spraining his wrist. Uh, in the first day at camp and and obviously that probably set him back and you know it's it's obviously tough to tell uh, how much that might have affected him throughout the preseason uh as someone who in middle school and high school sprained my wrist a couple times i don't understand how anybody can play basketball and shoot a basketball with you know a sprained wrist um yeah. <laughs> i was like favoring my wrist for weeks and i mean i was shooting left-handed for a while probably i can i can shoot free throws left-handed reasonably well just because i sprained my wrist a couple times and and sort of just had, <laughs> just practice screwing around shooting left-handed but uh but with thon you know i think the big the big thing you worry about with him is is not so much that he wasn't scoring um, cause I, I didn't really see much in the way of, you know, kind of advanced skills scoring wise in, in Vegas, other than, you know, the fact that he was comfortable stepping out, but, uh, you know, in 73 preseason minutes, 10 rebounds, one block, one assist, no steals. Um, or maybe it was a couple blocks, but you know, bottom line, uh, really didn't, didn't do much. And I think we talked about it last time. He kind of ran around a lot, uh, and, uh, and, and didn't do much else. Um, and, yeah, uh, that's that's uh, that's a bit of a concern because we know he's mobile and we know that translates to some extent. But if you're just kind of running around and you don't rebound the ball and you don't block shots, and you don't get steals, and you don't do anything. Uh, you know, there's a reason Epe Udo's uh, NBA tenure was was not as long as you would have hoped of a six overall draft pick. Uh, and yeah. I don't know. We, we obviously have much higher hopes of Thon and it's very early. But uh, but there definitely were some 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 I don't know. If, I don't know if it's like areas of concern, but certainly uh, a slow start for Thon Maker in his first preseason. Yeah. And I, I think what I'd really put in the bad category is just 73 preseason minutes because we yep. we've talked over and over again that we don't really know what his role is going to be this season. We don't know how he's going to see the floor. We don't know how the Bucks are going to try to use him, and we don't know if he can see an NBA floor. And it it's just tough to one figure out his role, and then you see him only play seventy three preseason minutes, and it's just confusing. <laughs> um, you would think that would have been a time where okay, it's preseason. Preseason doesn't matter. Get 
on a lot of minutes. So whether or not you're going to get him the 800 or 1,000 minutes or whatever we've talked about uh, on previous podcasts, you at least get him minutes in the preseason uh, to kind of let him do some things. And like you said, with him just running around, it's strange that I guess the Bucks have encouraged that to an extent because every time he came in, they were doing full-court presses. And Thon was going around trapping guys. And there was times where it caused turnovers, so he doesn't get a steal, um, obviously, on those because uh, if the ball's thrown out of bounds or somewhere else, then it's away from him. So he can't he can't really get those steals. But I think there's been times where defensively he's, he's shown what – he could end up being very capable of, and he he can guard a lot of different positions. He can stay with uh, quicker players. He can just kind of be a lot of things on the defensive end. I'm not sure he's any of those things yet, but he could be a lot of those things. Uh, so, yeah, like you said, overall it was kind of a disappointing preseason for him, and you would have liked to see something more and just more of him in general. Uh, but there's always the season. There's practices for him to get more comfortable in, and we'll see where he goes. Yeah, I think the one interesting subplot which we've talked about is you know, Michael Beasley missed the, path the last couple of games with uh, an injury, and I am very interested to see if Michael Beasley ends up taking minutes for, or how long uh, Michael Beasley ends up taking minutes from Thon. Uh, depends a little bit on where they put Beasley. Um, you know, Ian, uh, I always want to call Tony Snell, Ian Snell. I know that I think that's a baseball pitcher, but even though I don't really follow baseball, but, uh, Tony <laughs> Snell arriving probably means that there are fewer minutes at the three for Beasley. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just don't, I mean, I just don't see when this kind of transitions into our Beasley discussion, but, um, I don't really know what, I don't want to say what Beasley brings. I know what he brings. He's going to, he's going to bring quote unquote shot creation. Uh, but <laughs> I just don't, I just, from what I saw from Michael Beasley, I mean, he averaged 19 points and 14 rebounds per 36 in the preseason. Problem is that's a small sample. Cause he missed the last few games. He shot 29% and just, I mean, I, I just hated watching him play basically. <laughs> like no, it was I, just too disordered and he's just gunning. And I, I just, I just don't think that he makes your basketball team better when he's on the court. That's just my my sense of not only this year, but that's his career, isn't it? Yeah, Michael Beasley's Michael Beasley. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think he's ever going to change, and I we can all have we can all interview him and hear him say the right things. But when it comes down to it, he's going to continue to chuck up a bunch of shots and maybe, probably almost definitely play outside of the offensive system to get himself those shots. Um, yeah. It, like when I said, I, I think Della Vadova is a joy to watch play basketball. I would say almost the exact opposite thing of Michael Beasley. I, I, <laughs> I really just don't like watching him play basketball. And he, like you said, he, if I just look at raw numbers, like he, got some buckets and he was grabbing rebounds all over the place um but i don't know if he's any good and i don't know like you said i don't know if it actually helps the team um when he's on the floor and he's doing those things i think to an extent by being there he's helpful because those shots have to get taken and clearly he's comfortable taking shots but i don't know (laughs) as a whole if that actually helps the team other than just being the guy that takes the shots that we're going to get taken no matter what because they have to get shots up 
Yeah, I think with when the Bucks are healthy, there, there's not going to be any situation where Michael Beasley is going to be on the court and I'm not going to be sitting there wishing that someone else was on the court instead. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't know. I mean, it's nothing against him personally. Um, you know, again, he, he's able to do some things. He's, you know, a surprisingly good, uh, corner three guy. Uh, he obviously has a lot of talent, but he just doesn't really apply it in, in ways, you know, in the shot selection is obviously a huge part of that, but he doesn't really apply it in ways that I think help you win basketball games. So, uh, I've joked about him being kind of the designated tank commander this year. If things go South, um, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I think if, uh, you know, there's been a fair bit. I know a lot of people have been asking me on Twitter, especially with the Celtics and their roster crunch, you know, would should the Bucks consider giving up like a second round pick for a guy like R.J. Hunter? And my first thought, I was like, well, the Bucks don't have any roster spots. But, you know, if <laughs> if I was John Hammond and, you know, I could add a guy who is young and might have some kind of role on this team in the future mm-hmm. uh, and it meant cutting Michael Beasley and his $1.4 million salary. I mean, you, you hate to cut salary or, or eat salary, but I, I mean, I would, I would do that. <laughs> yeah. I don't even think that, I don't even think that highly of RJ Hunter at this point, but, uh, I just, I just, I think in, in the universe where Michael Beasley is a critical guy for this team, like I'm not really interested in whatever they're doing at that point. <laughs> um, you know, like, like if they're yeah. relying on Michael Beasley to carry them to, you know, 37 wins, then, I don't need that. I don't need those wins. I'm I'm good just going to the lottery and and, and yeah. <laughs> you know letting the ping pong balls set set us up for a better year. Well, next I'd say the year, good so. news is there's not a world where that would be the case. That Michael Beasley would be helping to win games. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I think you'd be fine there. Uh, so speaking of guys who are unlikely to help the Bucks win games. Uh, Rashad, we haven't talked about Rashad Vaughn yet. I feel like we've forgotten about Rashad Vaughn, and in large part because he's been hurt. Uh, played, I think he played the first game, sat out maybe the second game, played one more game, came back to play, and then has missed the last uh, the last three games mm-hmm. with an ankle injury. And what did he shoot? I think he was like uh, two for something in the entire preseason, shot like eleven percent or something like yeah. that. Uh, you know, I mean, there's no question that Rashad Vaughn is not as bad of a shooter. Yeah, 15% uh, overall, uh, one of nine on threes. I mean, nobody thinks that Rashad Vaughn is as bad as he was in the preseason, but, uh, I mean, he's not a negative 1.9 PER guy, yeah. <laughs> which is remarkable that he could actually be worse in terms of PER than he was last year when he was, you know, yes. one of the, like, worst in, in NBA history among rookies who played a 1,000 minutes, but... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel bad for the kid getting injured on top of, uh, you know, struggling. And uh, I guess it's just sort of like a sad microcosm of his time thus far that, you know, he gets this golden opportunity to play with Middleton getting hurt and, you know, basically being told, hey, all right, Rashad, you're the, you know, you're starting on day one of camp with the the main guys. And uh, it just, once again, this stuff just doesn't come together. And and here we are wondering. uh, And I don't know. I mean, it's kind of funny with Tony Snell coming in it's almost like Rashad Vaughn's been kind of forgotten about. Um, but again, they're still incredibly thin at shooting guard. So, uh, you know, he's going to get a chance if he gets healthy and if he isn't, you know, traded before October 31st. So, uh, I guess we'll have to see and just hope that he can figure something out. Yeah. As I, as I've said, uh, I think I talked about Tony Snell as an innings eater. Uh, and in this case, uh, minutes eater for the Bucks. 
there are plenty of minutes to eat uh, at the shooting guard position. So if he if he is able to recover from his injury and start to feel good again, there's minutes to be had. Whether or not he does much with those minutes or does well in those minutes, I don't know how much it'll end up mattering. And I guess that's kind of the same thing with Tony Snell too, where while well, in Chicago he struggled to stay in the rotation and it hurt his confidence and he wasn't the most confident in his shot and he was second-guessing what he was doing on the floor. Well, you're going to be on the floor no matter what for the Bucks this year, Tony, so go for it. <laughs> if you make some mistakes, you're not going to get pulled out. Like You have to continue to play through them. So uh, there, I, I don't know if that's a sign of confidence uh, or just – necessity but whatever it is you're gonna get minutes so uh with both those guys i think it's a good thing that they've had some struggles in their career and they've struggled to find their role and now they're gonna have a role no matter what pretty much uh so go out there and play and do what you can yeah looking at kind of other i i I grouped in this uh in the post i wrote about the good the bad and the kind of just whatever uh and in my whatever is is greg monroe uh who ironically is once again piling up kind of fairly you know big efficiency numbers uh and weirdly i mean he's basically done everything except get buckets in the preseason which is weird to say uh almost 17 points per 36 but just 38 percent true shooting which is horrendous um you know had a lot of struggles i think he when he's come into games he's been basically just sort of like get me touches and I'm putting it up, which, you know, that's the downside of bringing him off the bench is that he's just going to be hunting shots, which is kind of what you want him to do. But then again, uh, you know, he's a talented enough passer that you would hope he would be a bit more open-minded about ending possessions with things other than contested, you know, eight footers. Um, he kicked it out on Saturday, two times in a row, once to Mirza and then the next time to, to Jabari Parker. And, I think my heart stopped for a little bit because <laughs> I can't think of two times in a row that Greg Monroe kicked it out of the post. I think one was a post up. The other was an offense rebound and two times he kicked it out. And it was like, Whoa, Greg, you knew you could do that. <laughs> That's awesome. Way to go, man. The The weird thing is that he averaged 12.3 rebounds per, per 36, which is obviously good. Uh, 1.8 blocks. Hey, Whoa. Yeah, we'll take that. Uh, and 4.0 steals per 36, and that that's just, I mean, part of it's the, the small sample theater. I've, or most of it's the small sample theater, but it's just weird that, you know, a six-game, over a six-game sample, Greg Monroe <laughs> could actually get enough steals to 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 get 4.0 steals per, per 36. Um, one other guy that, I don't know really what to do with him. Um, he's a guy that we've gone back and forth on since the summer, uh, and that's Malcolm Brogdon and Brogdon has, uh, been elevated to the backup point guard spot by virtue of Michael Carter Williams being gone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's clearly shown enough over the summer and, and preseason that the Bucks were willing to gamble on, on ha- leaning heavily on Brogdon. I don't think, you know, Jason Terry is ever going to get 25 minutes per game, uh, as the backup point guard. I mean, they, they could try something like that, but, uh, but I think that they'll want Brogdon out there a fair bit because of his defensive versatility. But the concern is, is pretty much the same thing we've been talking about, uh, since the summer. It's that his shot just does not look like it's stretching out to the NBA three point line. Um, uh, 
I think he hit two in the last game against the Pacers, two out of six. But overall, 32% from the field, 24% from three. And the, I think the other interesting thing was that his assist to turnover ratio went from 22 to three in Vegas to 21 to 14 in the exhibition season. So uh, not nearly as sort of sure-handed as maybe we got used to during the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously that's, you know, I mean, if he's putting up those numbers uh, during the regular season, then, you know, your second unit is is definitely going to be, uh, you know, have have the, the chip stacked. What's the metaphor? Have the deck stacked against it? I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm There you go. Uh, so that, that's obviously a concern and, you know, obviously he's a guy that I think people generally feel very positive on cause he's a second rounder and we have no expectations of him really, but all of a sudden he's going to be playing real minutes, certainly more than Don Maker you'd expect. And I, I don't know, are, 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 are we, are you think those numbers going to come around this season or how do you feel about Malcolm Brogdon as your backup point guard going into the NBA season? I can't comprehend Malcolm Brogdon. I, I I literally can, and I, I guess there's just some things I struggle with. And at the combine, he puts up these insane lane agility times and shuttle runs. I think he had the fastest timed shuttle run of anyone that actually participated at the combine. Uh, I think one of the faster lane agility times. And then I watch him play, and I don't think he's quick. And I guess maybe you can test well, and maybe once a game starts, you're not the same way. But he doesn't seem like he's particularly quick. Um, And if that's the case for you as a backup point guard, then, well, hopefully you can knock down open threes, and hopefully you don't turn the ball over uh, because you have to find other ways to affect the game as a point guard. And, yeah, that – you mentioned how insane his assist to turnover was in uh, summer league, and now, well, it looks pretty normalish. Um, maybe on the bad side, uh, what was I think in the exhibition it was twenty-one to fourteen uh, assist to turnovers, so uh, one point five. So again, it's not elite taking care of the ball, and I don't know. There's there's things he does where he makes a nice play, and you think, oh, okay, he gets it, and then. He's just kind of there for a little while. Um, and I, I guess he's very much the Bucks' backup point guard because <laughs> Tyler Ennis was always that guy where it's just like, well, he's kind of there. And I think maybe you can see a role where he can fit with Giannis and stay out of Giannis's way and not do anything too bad. That really hurts the team. But at the same time, I don't – I just don't I, – I don't get – I don't get Malcolm Brogdon, if that makes sense. Like I, I'm just trying to figure out – how he's going to impact NBA games and I see some of it sometimes and then other times I don't see it so I don't I don't I don't know what to think with Malcolm Brogdon yeah I think the the one thing we know is that we're going to find out what he's able to do um and obviously uh, he's going to turn 24 during the season so uh the bar is is a little bit high even there's a second round pick I think the bar is a little bit higher because you know you, you can't be 24 and and not be able to play Correct. um I, I mean I think he knows how to play but you know, as you mentioned, I think his, you know, it's interesting you mentioning the the draft combine testing and, and those numbers and what do they mean as far as actually on court. I, I could certainly see them translating defensively. I think he has good feet and yeah. he's able to guard you know, multiple positions. And that's obviously really positive. Uh, but I mean, he has he doesn't have any burst offensively. You know, if he's bringing the ball up like, he you know, he can't. It's hard for him to even like, get by guys like that. And, um, you know, as a guy who's not 
not vertically explosive as well. Uh, you know, it's difficult for him to kind of get that step needed to get to the rim and, and, you know, get, get easy baskets. So obviously he's a guy that you're not going to, you know, put the ball in his hands and, and expect him to create shots for certainly for himself. I think his, his shot, it doesn't certainly when I look at his shot, I think, especially off the dribble, it's, I think it's looks kind of tough for him to, uh, to, to be consistent. Uh, hopefully, I mean, my, my hope is that, you know, he, he obviously is a guy who's not going to, he's not a jacker. He's not a chucker, uh, for probably better given what we've seen from him shooting wise. Um, but you know, maybe he can try to be more of a corner three guy, which, you know, isn't necessarily easy when you're a point guard, but, um, when he's on the court with especially Giannis, I think it's okay to send, you know, the, the nominal point guard, uh, to the corner since Giannis is, is effectively the point in those situations. So we'll, we'll have to see, um, anything else that you saw or, or didn't see from the bucks in the preseason that you think is worth discussing or, um, or what do you think? I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there's any other kind of like high level, um, you know, feelings like, oh, the Bucks were a lot better at this or a lot worse than this. I think 16th def- defensive efficiency, so kind of middle of the pack, which, you know, wouldn't be bad maybe in the regular season. But I don't know if there are any other big takeaways for you. I still have no idea how the three bigs work out. Uh, there wasn't there wasn't a blueprint that I saw during any of the preseason games other than let's not play one of them uh, for minutes to get sorted out for them to find solid roles. Um, it's just going to be fascinating. I don't, I don't know how Monroe Henson and Plumley work. I just, I don't, one of those guys is going to have to play 12 to 18 minutes a night. Um, or maybe there's going to be some DMP. I don't know. It, it that was one thing that I was hoping there was going to be some creative ways that I could somehow find a way to like the Bucks having all three on the roster and pay them as much as they did, and I didn't find that way. I mean, I think the only real creative thing you can do is is, and we saw it a, a couple times uh, later in the preseason. But I think playing Henson as a as a four with uh, with Monroe is really the only thing I can think of. Um, and again, offensively, that's just tough because I think Henson really kills your spacing uh offensively i think he can probably get by against a lot of teams defensively even though he's obviously not really a guy you'd want chasing stretch fours especially because you want him at the rim uh blocking shots but uh, maybe you could do that uh but certainly at this point you know we haven't heard anything official but my guess is Plumley starts hence uh monroe comes off the bench and then uh you know, Henson will somehow try to fill in when when guys are injured or, or again, maybe maybe they kind of find some other minutes for him. Um, maybe one other question for you, uh, Greg Monroe. I think we, we saw Michael Carter Williams moved. Greg Monroe is obviously sort of the the last domino that that could fall here at some point during the season. Uh, you know, based on what we've heard, what we know about Greg Monroe, where this team may or may not be going this year versus the long term. Uh, we saw the report, I think, from Zach Lowe suggesting that the Bucks are uh, preparing. And when when he when I read this, uh, I, I thought of them sort of like taking a deep breath and like emotionally preparing themselves, but <laughs> preparing for Greg Monroe to potentially opt into the final year of his contract next summer. Um, well, I don't know. What do you think of Greg Monroe? Is Greg Monroe going to be gone in a week, six months, a year, two years? What do you think? I mean, uh, I. I don't think he'll get traded. Um, what, like not this year or 
Yeah. No, I, I don't think he'll get traded yeah. this year. And then, man, I, I'm like I said, I, we brought up him potentially opting in. I don't even know when uh, in the last couple of weeks. And I think I tried to dismiss it because I didn't want to think of that world where he would opt in. Um, but if they're preparing for that, I think that would really make you kind of reconsider how you're using those three and also if keeping all three is sustainable. Because I think you probably thought originally, all right, Monroe's going to opt out, and after this year, then you'll just have Henson and Plumley, and you'll be ready to go forward. But if Monroe's going to be around for two years instead of the one just this season, uh, then I, I do think you probably have to start thinking about can you actually keep all three? Um, and obviously, I think we all know what Greg Monroe's current value is because uh, the Bucks have been openly shopping him all year um, and haven't been able to get in much of anything going for a deal. So then does uh, it's something I've posed before. Does Henson become the one that needs to get traded? Yeah, we'll see. I think that's certainly probably in the in the realm of possibility, uh, especially if he has a fair bit more value. But again, you know, how much, you know, potential does John, uh, does John Henson have Mm -hmm. uh, in the views of other teams? Uh, You know, is his contract an asset or a liability to, to other teams? Uh, It's tough to say, obviously, if you're going to try to acquire him and presume it's because you want him to play. uh, And at that point, you know, I think his deal probably is, is reasonable. It was kind of interesting. He had a very John Henson preseason kind of above average in in sort of by efficiency terms, uh, but didn't rebound particularly well. He did block shots, uh, and and you just feel like it's kind of rinse and repeat with, with John Henson year in and year out, kind of putting up better numbers, and maybe it feels like he he actually provides uh, in terms of you know on-court value. But we'll be interested to see. We've got only a few days here until the preseason kicks off on Wednesday night. Uh, I will be in Milwaukee uh, at the game. Eric will be at the game. Uh, I think we were discussing probably going to Goolsby's before the game. So if uh, if anybody wants to stop by and say hello, uh, I think our headshots are out there. I know my I, I always keep mine on my Twitter just because I know whenever I go to Vegas, I just, you know, appreciated that people you might have some idea yeah. of, of what I look like. And I always hoped that other people that I uh, knew from NBA Twitter would, would have their actual face on their Twitter just so I sort of knew who to look for. Or if yeah. I saw somebody, like, Oh, that's so-and-so. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, look for us on Wednesday at, uh, Goolsby's. I think we'll probably provide some more information, uh, when we're going to head out there. But, uh, uh, obviously, uh, excited to see folks and appreciate everybody continuing to listen and uh, getting ready for a Bucks basketball season. It's weird. I'm I'm not sure I've ever been as excited in some respects for a Bucks season, and yet my expectations from a one loss standpoint <laughs> are actually about as low as they've been in I don't know in a long time. I think certainly since since we started Brew Hoop in the nine years, this is probably one of the lowest expectation seasons in terms of winning and losing, but. Um, you know, I think it, it goes back to Barry and Giannis. The yep. fact that I'm expecting two 21-year-olds to score 20-plus a game and obviously hopefully do other, a lot of other things is uh, is pretty cool. So anyway, knock on wood, I just had images of them getting hurt in my head, and now um, I'm regretting saying all these things out loud. But uh, anyway, we'll have much more ahead for the opener on Wednesday. And subscribe, give us reviews, tweet at us. 
at Brewhoop and at Eric underscore name, and we will talk to you guys soon. Progressive brings you Flowetry with Flow. When Flow flows, she flows in the know. Mind ruminates the rates. Shown them all, I heed the call. Seeing the rest, I choose the best. Sometimes it's ours, sometimes it's not. When the fox walks, is it called a fox trot? That's a real question. Compare Progressive Direct rates with competitors' rates. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy.